The worst mistake to me is when you're clinging on to something for too long, you know, and you're not accepting that that you made a mistake. If I look back, I think my, my worst mistakes were sticking to something for too long and not accepting that it needed to be changed. Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Falsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Batra Salin, CEO and co-founder at Mint and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi, and welcome, Baltzar. Hi, Joseph. Thanks a lot. Nice to be here. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Very nice day. How are you doing? Nice. Uh, it's uh, amazing for me. I had, I'm talking with you. I've t- done a, another interview. Great meetings. Yeah, I shouldn't complain at all. And let's jump into it. First thing first, always. Can you please tell the listeners what does your company Mint do. Please do the elevator pitch. Absolutely. Uh, Mint is a corporate credit card and spend management platform that helps businesses reduce administration around company spending. It is a platform where you as a company can set up credit cards for your employees, physical or virtual cards. Uh, you can set different spending limits on those cards uh, and you can connect the platform to your ERP system to automate your accounting. Uh, And you as a user, you can use the card. You also have a mobile app. So whenever you make a purchase, uh, you get a push notification. You can take a photo of the receipt and you can send that expense all the way into your accounting software. Uh, And and, and then you're done. So you do not need to make an expense report uh, at the end of the month. And if we pause right now at Mint and turn the spotlights towards you, who is Baltzar? Well, currently I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders at Mint. Uh, and you know, going back before that, after my studies, I started working as a, as a management consultant. I started off in Stockholm and within a year I transferred to the US and, and New York. Uh, and I worked there for, for several years. Uh, and I think that that was a great time and it also learned uh, and, and I learned... I learned a lot from the U.S. mentality and and doing business in the U.S. Um, But after a few years, it was clear for me that I was not fulfilled working as a consultant. And uh, I really wanted to, you know, run my own business. And I then went on to start my my first businesses, um, including an e-commerce company that I ran for for a couple of years. Uh, And... They were not great successes, although I did sell the e-commerce company after, after you know, building it up for a little bit. Uh, but more importantly, they, they, they taught me valuable things that I then leveraged when I started Mint. Uh, and after I sold the e-commerce company, I then joined Ericsson uh, as head of growth for, for digital areas. And 
and uh, you know quickly realized how difficult it was to do anything in a in a corporate environment. Uh, but luckily, that's where I found my my co-founder Yuan, uh, and that's what's what led to us eventually starting Mint. And talking about starting Mint, why? Why did you start Mint? It was uh, it was a combination of having experienced the problems myself with um, you know working as a, as a business business owner and with endless problems around expense reporting and, and payments uh, that you know I personally thought was was really boring and taking attention away from running your business um, and and that was the number one pain point we we focused on. So if we can remove those tasks, I think that's that's extremely helpful for for the business owners, and, and that's what we focused in on. And and what happened in the in the market was that open banking was starting at that time. Uh, accounting systems were becoming cloud based. So so our vision was really to be in that white space between banking and accounting and solve pain points for for businesses. Uh, in, in that space. And that was the, the, the vision from the start. And, and that's exactly where we are now as a business. And of course, you have many different things that small decisions along the way. Um, but, but it's really the space that we're in between banking and accounting. And you are really picking up speed. Now, Balsar, it's time for something I call five quick ones. I will say a word. And here you need to be quick. You, you, Yes, first thought that pops up, a sentence, a word, but not, not more than one sentence. Are you ready for five quick ones? Absolutely. Okay, here we go. Company expenses. Something that can be simplified, for example, using Mint. Accounting. Very important for your business. AI. Uh, new opportunities. Sales. A foundation for any business. And the last one. Summer. Uh, swimming, uh, ice cream, and uh, relaxing. Amazing. This leads me into the segment of business development. And since everybody is talking about AI, I lately have also started to like put in more and more spotlights towards that. So uh, first thing here, I want to know what are the top two to three areas you think about AI for your business? Well, we, we work with lots of data and we are a data-driven company, but I, I would say we're still very early working with AI. I'm personally a big believer in AI and I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm surprised how well, you know, chat GPT can help you as a bouncing board uh, and, and for business development purposes. So, so it's uh, really exciting opportunities. We uh, we have tried some AI uh, supporting our operations when it comes to credit decisions uh, and our customer success, actually. But I think we also see very interesting opportunities in the future with AI. Uh, and one of the areas is, you know, how can we support our customers to save time and money by leveraging AI, uh, for example, identifying areas where customers spend spend too much on on, uh, on certain things etc so I think we, we do see very interesting opportunities with AI in the future talking about KPIs then which top KPIs on a company level are the most important for you at mint and please tell me why you have chosen them yes absolutely well I, I think you know the KPIs are, are probably quite similar I mean for for me 
I think running the business and when you're in a growth phase and startup phase, cash flow or your burn is extremely important to keep in mind as, as the number one KPI. And, and that should you know, always be kept together with your strategy around your, your plan and the goals for the business. So, so that's extremely important and the number one thing to keep track of. Secondly, ARR, of course, that's extremely important. Or if you have something similar to ARR, that's in our case, and also keeping track of your gross margin uh, so that you know that really, really well. And then when it comes to, to the more operational KPIs uh, that can vary across your business, we look a lot on the number of active customers that we have and also the overall spend of our customer base. Uh, so th- those are really important. And then from a customer standpoint, we, we of course, we, we track churn uh, and, and customer satisfaction as well as net revenue retention. So those are really important numbers for us. And we also do that in, in cohorts. I think that's the, it's very, very relevant to, to track that over time. And, and last one, I would say customer acquisition cost, also something extremely important to, to always keep track of. Have you have all this for long or has some developed lately now when you're going into more growth mode and leaving the very first years behind? When you're, when you're starting off, it's, it's really about sort of setting those operational KPIs and, and making sure you can track them in the right way. So that, of course, takes time to set up. Uh, but it's really useful for you if you can agree on what your most important KPIs are so that you then can uh, you know, make all of your organization follow those exact same KPIs uh, over time, and, and maybe you can set, you know, incentives around those KPIs and the same KPIs that you report to investors, etc. So, so uh, of course they mature over time, uh, but you 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 want to find them uh, quite early so that you can sort of track them uh, as soon as possible. Thank you. And uh, moving on to talking about go to market, can you share some? of your best practices around building a go-to-market machine? You know, it's not done overnight. Um, I think for us, it was really important to, to early on understand the most important pain point that you are solving uh, and for which customers and which are your most valuable target customers. And sometimes when you talk about your product, it can solve many things. And that's why understanding the number one value is important so that you can align your marketing and sales effort around that type of messaging and then how you talk to your, your customer base. And then I would say also, when once you start you know, selling that, it's important to understand you know, the initial metrics of what's the value of a new customer and how much marketing and sales that can go into acquiring the, the customer. So the customer acquisition cost is, is really important to figure out early on. And then the lifetime value you might not know that in the beginning, but you have to estimate that in a good way so that you can figure out sort of what number you can be at to really make the business go round. So, so, so that's very important early on. And I think it's important here not to, to go too fast, but to sort of start iterating and, and really refine uh, you know, your messaging and marketing, refining your sales process, and also making maybe necessary product updates. And, and that's when, once you start getting that you know, product market fit and your sales process is, is working, that's where you can really start scaling the business. 
so, so I think that's, that early stage is extremely important to set things right. And then, of course, once you scale, then you, know, you need to find that right competence that, that can support you. And, and I think all of these skills around sales and marketing, they are, they are very different and you need to find the right people that can support you. Um, and, and then start building that around, around those people. Maybe I can add you know, one last thing. You know, one interesting area is also partnerships. And for a lot of SaaS companies, there are partnership opportunities out there. And I think that's very relevant to look at your business and see are there specific verticals that you know you can you, you maybe you can't afford going directly after that customer growth, but together with a partner, you can actually address them or new markets that you can enter into through partnerships. And I think that's that can really be a, sort of a hack in, in your go-to-market machine. And if you look back in in, in hindsight, what common mistakes do you see you as Mint did with your go-to-market strategy earlier? Yeah, I think the, the, the one mistake that I've done in the past is, is trying to do too much too soon. So for example, if you're, if you're uh, investing a lot in your marketing before you have actually gotten, maybe the product is not fully there and you do not have the salespeople to support you or your onboarding is not fast enough. So I think that's an easy mistake to do and sort of to really, really take that initial time, listen to that early customer feedback and improve your messaging before you actually start you know, start scaling. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's uh, you know, that's a common mistake. Nail before you scale is accurate here then. That sounds very accurate. I haven't heard that before. That sounds great. It's time for the first external question in this episode. And first uh, up, we have a question from Ronny Ågren at Tendium. And this is his question. Hi, Baltzar. How should one think when developing a B2B sales organization that caters to both SME segment and an enterprise segment? Yes, very good question. And, and of course, enterprise sales and uh, SME sales are often very, very different uh, when it comes to the sales process. Uh, and you may need um, you know, different profiles selling for those different verticals. Uh, and if you take, for example, in an SME sale, uh, for us in our case, I mean, that could be a, a 15 minute conversation. And if you're taking enterprise, that could be a three month uh, process with many different interactions with different people. However, I would say that, you know, in our case, the, the product, even though you might use a little bit more features on the enterprise side, uh, the product is still quite similar. So so we understood, I mean, when 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 you're not, a huge company, I mean, you're still a startup or scale up. Um, it's still very important to leverage that competence that you have in your sales team. So we actually thought that it's better to start off in the same team. Maybe you have some different individuals in that team that can sort of handle the enterprise sales, but still leveraging that experience and sales understanding from, from the SME segment and, and that grow in your career path towards the enterprise sales uh, rather than having a specific enterprise sales uh, team. So that's that's how we've done it. I mean, we, we have everyone in the same team and that's that way you can leverage that product competence and, 
and, and also your own skills, developing that and then starting with SME sales and then moving into enterprise sales. Yeah, and I think that works really well for us in our size. Uh, so I think that's, that's how we've uh, gone about it. And then, of course, you have partnership sales, uh, which is maybe then the next level. And that's where, you know, you might need yet another competence and you might need more presence from uh, the CEO or, or someone else in the leadership team to really close the partnership deal. Ronnie, thank you for the question. I hope you liked Balsa's answer. Regarding outreach, LinkedIn, calls, emails, how would you like to get approached in a modern and professional way? I think the best way is LinkedIn. Uh, but I would say, I mean, I would, it's possible to reach me through a, a phone call or through an email as well. Uh, but I, I certainly would say that, that it's extremely important that it feels personal and it feels relevant and You know, I do uh, read uh, all the LinkedIn messages that I get, but of course you get a lot of sort of automated messages, etc. So it's extremely important that it feels, um, you know, authentic, it's, uh, you know, personalized and it's uh, clear what the, what the value is for, for me. Nice. Uh, th then we pause here at business development and uh, talking about uh, a bit harder topic then mistakes and not just like go to market lessons mistakes now worst mistakes what is the worst mistake you have ever done in business that you right now hopefully have behind you and not are too emotionally connected so you can help me and the listeners avoid it in the future uh yes i mean that's uh that's a great question you know when i when i think about this i mean you you do make a lot of different mistakes of course, running a business. I mean, you, you keep make, making mistakes all the time. And, uh, you know, if I, if I think about that, and, you know, even if you make mistakes where, you know, you lose a lot of money or you, you, you need to change something, you know, when I look back at it and, and think about sort of what are the worst mistakes, I think the worst mistake to me is when you're clinging on to something for too long, you know, and you're not accepting that, that you made a mistake. So I think that accepting that you, you made a mistake is, is extremely important. And if I look back, I think my, my worst mistakes were sticking to something for too long and not accepting that it needed to be changed. And I think that takes up sort of the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. So, so I think, um, you know, that would be my, my recommendation also for, for others. But I think, um, I mean, that's the, that's the worst thing when you're playing on too long. And, and I think that's something I've gotten better at over time to, to make those decisions faster. And do you have any like mini life hack here to see dots, data points, something that you are, you are starting to too long? Well, I, I think that might be one area which is sort of outside the KPI area where, where you don't necessarily have the data points. You might have a gut feeling and, and, and that's something that comes over time. But if you're starting to have that gut feeling, I think it's very important to listen to it and, and really try to think of, you know, maybe that's, if you have that gut feeling, you know, really bring that out and understand, you know, is this time to make a decision? And then maybe then look for the sort of data points to, to support that decision. Very interesting. And Balsar, now it's time for a topic 
of your choice. So this means that I will sip it and the only framework here is that you for a few minutes will talk about something that you are new you are nerdy and feel passion for. So the floor is yours. All right. Yeah, thanks a lot. Well, uh, well since uh, since I think you have a lot of listeners here that that are interested in in, in learning and improving, I, I think uh, one area that I feel really passionate about and that I've done a lot is is reading books. And um, I think that it's worth highlighting in a world where we have a lot of news and, and social media, etc. And I personally love uh, reading autobiographies and, and self-improvement. And I think that, you know, by, by doing that, I think it helps you to give, get uh, a lot of, lot of ideas and, and also listen to people who have spent a lot of time diving into one specific topic and, and written about it. I think that's so hard to, to get in another way than actually, you know, reading a book about something. So, so, so I think that's uh, an advice for, for, for anyone. Um, and I also think in the, in the self-improvement area, uh, I believe, you know, when you are running a business, that is extremely important that, you know, you take care of yourself and, uh, you know, so that you have the energy to, uh, to really perform uh, in the long run. And with this topic and with this subtopic, you are laying it up for me. So I must ask, and I won't say top, I will say, I won't say the top one. But what is the top three books to read during the summer? All right. So, uh, so to give you uh, two that I recently read, uh, number one is uh, Six Substances That Will Change Your Life. Who is the author? Uh, David Phillips. The second one is uh, The Power of Geography uh, by Tim Marshall. Also a very, very interesting uh, book, you know, given, uh, you know, recent events in the world. Thank you for sharing about a topic of your choice that I will name reading books. And this means that when we put period here, Balsar, and move on to talking a bit about leadership. And first thing within leadership is always from my end, a very straight shooting one. Balsar, are you a good leader? That's very difficult for for you know you to answer and I think it's not you know it's not really up to me to answer that question. Um, I think you know currently running the business I I am extremely happy to have a high performing team working with me uh, and a team that's continuously growing. Uh, so I think uh, you know that's uh, that's really really a great uh, feeling. The most important thing has been to you know be authentic to yourself and, and realize your strengths and your weaknesses and and you have already now starting to tapping into it regarding strengths what would you say are your superpowers as a leader if you need to nail it down to just a few ones well i i don't think you know i have superpowers but um i think you know one one that i, that I see in seeing you as well uh, you know but i think Having a very positive attitude, I think that's uh, that's been a key thing for me and, and uh, uh, helped me uh, both in good times, but especially in tougher times that you always need to persevere and, and never give up. And I think that's a, uh, that's a strength that I have. Uh, you know, I can always keep going. Uh, so, so having that endurance in the long run and remembering that starting a business and uh, going all the way that is a marathon uh, it's not uh, you know it's not a sprint 
So having that endurance is uh, is very very important. Yeah, here here I agree, and uh, this means it, that it's time for the second and the last external question, and this is from Belgin Alalunle at Anq. Hi Balzar. What has been the biggest challenge in leadership when the company went from being a startup to a growth company? And have you, as the founder, found it difficult to let go of control and delegate? Thank you. Well, great, great question. Um, I think growing the leadership team and and uh, you know delegating. I mean, it's it's been a really uh, rewarding experience for me, uh, and I personally really like the situation we are in now. Um, I think that is partly because we were somewhat of a bootstrapped company, at least relative to what we were doing uh, when we were starting the business, and and that meant that you know me and other founders were doing a lot of the lot of the work ourselves. Uh, so when we finally started to hire these different functions in in leadership roles, um, I I think that was amazing to really get the support that you needed, and. And that also allows me to focus more on the areas where, you know, I'm good and that I enjoy. Uh, so I think that's that's really important to sort of find the people that can help you do things that you know maybe they can do it better than you, and and you can sort of contribute and on those areas where you add the most value to your business. Uh, so so I think it's been been really great. Uh, great experience and of course the key for that is to find the right people that you feel that you can that you can actually trust and you know that have the competence and that can be better than you in those specific areas where where they help you and if you do that right i think that's that's a very very rewarding feeling belgian thank you for the question talking about bad things uh, worst things regarding being a leader Because everything isn't happy clappy, as you know, as I know, and many people hearing this know. What is the worst things, and how do you stay on top of it? Uh, well, obviously, as a CEO, then you need to handle both good and bad things, and so you're obviously not doing just the fun stuff. You need to do the the worst stuff at the company as well, and uh, I think that's you know it's it's quite obvious that that the worst stuff typically boils boils up and 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 that's what you you need to spend time on so so uh, um, you know I think it's you know on one side you get to do a lot of the fun stuff on the other side you need to do a lot of the bad stuff uh, or or the, the bad stuff as well uh, so I think that's 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 quite obvious and and then you know potentially also. You know, when when there are tougher times, there is more responsibility on you as a CEO. So, of course, then you know the responsibility and the stress on you as a CEO that's that's higher. So, I think that's that's maybe uh, the downside of the, the CEO work. And how do you stay on top of it then? Well, I mean, to me, it's uh, it's uh, it starts with having the right people there that you know they can handle as as much as possible. And I mean, they they need to have the responsibility to do that. Um, and and the other part is, I mean, they typically come to you for support and for decisions. So so uh, to me, it's extremely important to you know once you have a difficult uh, difficult situation, uh, I think it's it's very important to to quickly be able to make decisions and and move on um, because you don't want to spend 
too much time dealing with uh, you know the bad things. You want to be able to handle them as quickly as possible. If you have to summarize leadership from your point of view with only one word, what would that be? I mean, I would say authentic, um, and and that would be to sort of be be yourself and uh, you know be your best self and and um, you know leadership can be different and i think you need to leverage you know the strengths that you have and and sort of get the support on on your weaknesses that you have so so i would say uh, you know being authentic then leadership is all about being authentic and we are entering the roundup so we only have a few questions left balsar and first thing here which other two B2B SaaS CEOs do you think are interesting, are doing cool stuff, and would like to listen to in this podcast if I would interview them? I would recommend uh, Daniel Wittberg, who's the CEO of AppSales. Um, I think he has a lot of experience in this space. Uh, and also some someone that's very interesting is uh, Tini Fang, who's the CEO of a startup called Hypertype. Um, that's doing AI and customer success. And I think both of them could be very interesting to, to hear. Thank you for the names. I have reached out to uh, Daniel several times. Uh, he is uh, dodging me or playing hardball. Please help <laughs> me get him into this podcast. So thank you for the names. Second last question. Now you're talking to yourself. If you would give yourself the one to three top things to think of that you now know, that you didn't know, what would you tell yourself? I would uh, tell myself to uh, to listen to mentors, to listen to people that are more experienced than you, um, yeah, because it's hard to know everything when you're starting out. Uh, so that's number one. I think uh, number two is to make decisions quickly. Uh, listen to your gut feeling and, and make those tough decisions. Uh, so that would be my recommendation. And we have arrived to the end. The very last question. Where will Mint be in five years? We will be a much bigger company than we are today. Uh, currently, we are uh, live in Sweden and Finland. And we will be in, in all of the Nordics and in many countries in Europe. We will be a profitable company, still growing very fast. Uh, we have hundreds of thousands of business customers that are saving time and money through our solution. And I would say lastly that we will be a company in five years that will still be growing and you know still have five amazing years after that to, to continue our growth journey. And I wish you the best of luck with that. And now I'm quickly shifting the focus to you who has been listening. Two very quick ones. Number one, if you got some sort of value here from Balsar, please tell a friend or a colleague to listen to Balsar in B2B SaaS And thing number two, press the subscription button. We have great guests coming here every week. And Balsar, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes to get with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. Thanks, Josef. Amazing to, uh, to talk to you. Oh,